Hello and welcome to another episode of At Any Rate. I'm your host Natasha Kanova and I head JP Morgan Global Commodities Research. Today we would like to discuss China reopening in commodities markets and I'm joined by my team. Uh, Shika Chaturvedi, Head of Global Gas, uh, Greg Shear, who heads our Global Metals Franchise, and Tracy Allen, who heads our Global Agricultural Commodities. Hopes for a strong China reopening have given ways to concerns about falling cargo shipments, building commodity inventories, but also very poor sales of homes and cars. Generally, China's activity gradually rebounds about 45 days after the Lunar New Year. This year it fell in, in late January. But the traditional lack of data out of China in the first two months of the year makes it hard this year to discern between the usual holiday law and activity and the continuation of the 2022 slump. Regardless, the slow start to the year suggests that the recovery may take at least 60 days after the, the, the Chinese New Year, that the rebound may not be as strong as in previous cycles. So looking at the China space overall and the data we have, travel so far seems to be the major beneficiary of the reopening. More than 1.6 billion trips were made over the holiday. That's about 50% higher than last year, but still almost 50% below pre-pandemic levels. Um, air transportation recovered rapidly. Strong demand for both domestic and international travel. So the, the number of daily flights today is sitting at about 87% of 2019 levels. For comparison, it was only 40% at the end of 2022. International flight recovery is also picking up. Uh, it's still only at about uh, 16, 17% of 2019 levels, but for comparison, it was at 9% in early January. So the direction of travel is uh, is up. Um, so the travel rebound has started to affect physical demand for oil. Um, we're observing that uh, at the moment in the physical markets. So China's refiners are snapping up cargos from the Middle East and the U.S., uh, to meet the rising run rates. Uh, still, the extent of the consumption lift remains, uh, remains unconfirmed in the case of oil, given that China's crude inventories are still significantly above 2019 levels by almost 130 million barrels. Mm -hmm. Yet China's rebound is proving to be uneven. Uh, raw materials from uh, copper to iron ore rallied in anticipation of the return of the Chinese buyers. But we would have to admit that outside of oil, we so far see very few signs of a stronger than normal demand recovery. So Shika, staying with the energy, where what are you observing in China's LNG and the coal markets at the moment? Yeah. Hi, Natasha. Thank you so much for having us today. So that's correct. Unlike the recovery and mobility that you just outlined, we have yet to see the type of demand increase in the baseload power generation and industrial demand feedstocks like coal and natural gas. So for example, Chinese LNG imports in January were 26% lower year over year. And that's similar data points to what we saw during summer 22. And now February data suggests that imports could be around 9% lower year over year. We credit the slow pace of demand rebound through the industrial and power sectors as the major driver to these weak import levels. But also we have to note that spot LNG price so far this year was higher than long-term contracted prices. This likely caused some aversion to buying spot LNG cargos. However, with the general malaise that has hung over the global natural gas market since the start of the year, JKM price is now just below $15 per MMBTU. And we are hearing that there is generally more interest in procuring spot cargos from the Far East. So we will have to wait and see what the impact of this price-induced increase in demand will be upon the slower pace of rebound from COVID lockdowns. Turning to coal, coal inventories are reflecting a similar story 
inventory of weaker demand. While coal production has resumed since the Lunar New Year holiday, inventories are rising at ports and utilities. The China Coal Transport and Distribution Association reported that stocks in eight northern ports climbed to 22.98 million tons last week. That's a level not seen since March 2021. As a result, Chinese thermal coal price has hit a, its lowest level seen in a year, and that was just occurred last week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shika, thank you so much. So, Greg, moving into metals, uh, what do what are you doing in your metal, in your markets? Because if we see, if Shika sees this weakness in LNG and the coal markets, it has to feed through the through the industrial demand as well. Yeah, thanks, Natasha. Um, yeah, you're right. I, I think it's it's quite subdued. Um, what we see, I think, I, the way I'd categorize it is actually we're seeing a relatively gradual average recovery and that is underwhelming expectations that were set at the beginning of this year with china's quicker reopening of something that kind of really smacks you in the face here uh right after lunar new year um first i I think the the what we're watching week in week out is inventories what have we seen there well we since about four weeks before the chinese new year which is when we typically begin to kind of track this seasonal build we have built copper and aluminum inventories uh, about 1.5 times the average build over the last five uh, Lunar New Years. Post the holiday itself, though, it's been pretty average. Uh, we've been on par with the average. Essentially, in copper, we're building about 1.2 times. Uh, in aluminum, we're actually kind of right on par uh, in the five weeks since the, the, the Chinese New Year. So from from my perspective, um, it's not like we're seeing something that's really, really exceptionally like a broad, weak uh, demand environment. It's just taking time. It's gradual and it's disappointing, pulled up expectations. I do think the one concerning thing here is that when we look kind of further afield at the channel checks downstream, things don't look great. We're not, we're, we're hearing about weakness in wire and cabling demand. We're hearing about wire rod, which is a major first use of copper, that the finished inventory of wire rod is actually growing amid lower uh, uh, end use consumer orders. Uh, autos, for instance, um, we're hearing about OEMs canceling um canceling their their offtakes in in February because they're seeing finished goods inventory builds. So in general, the backdrop is quite weak. We haven't seen uh, exceptional builds, you know, much more than I think, you know, we we've expected with the the COVID lockdown in in early January. But in general, we're still looking kind of on track that this demand recovery is still going to take a few weeks and probably not hit its hit its post lunar new year stride maybe until mid march and into into early april mm-hmm. yes greg thank you and especially that you mentioned the outer sector yes the sales in january were down 30 plus percent yes year over year um so i think that the, the number definitely surprised the, the market participants how weak it was um, so, Tracy, recovery in mobility must have resulted in a higher restaurant traffic, yes, but uh, so far what we're hearing, it's, uh, I would have it's, it's uneven messaging that what we're seeing uh, coming out of China, yes, like Yum Brands, they, they, uh, they reported uh, weakish numbers. So what are the signs of China's reopening in agricultural commodities from your perspective? Yeah, that's right, Natasha. The, the data is a little patchy. The quick service restaurant chains, you know, are, are reporting sort of low single digit, mid single digit growth on the year. 
Um, I think more importantly, and, and what's uh, interesting for me is that more traditional restaurant chains, the likes of Hot Pots and others, have seen fairly consistent improvements in sales across the regions, I think, which is firstly an important point, um, of somewhere around sort of a 50 percentage point recovery um, year over year. So that's certainly a lot more convincing from the point of view of, you know, agri-consumption in, in commercial outlets, which is really a, a really key point here. Outside of that, look, we have certainly seen historically high December import volumes of soybeans into China. That's a little dislocated to the reopening dynamic itself and more related to the fact that China has a record large, essentially, hog herd at the moment. Low hog prices, low low crush margins for soybeans, but nonetheless, this historically large herd to, to feed. And I really do think, Natasha, that with respect to agricultural markets, the reopening is really a second half story. It's a it's a bullish story in my view for vegetable oils uh, and something that is is really going to play out over the months ahead. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Tracy. And it's a very good segue into the second part of our conversations. What comes next? Yes. Um, so Beijing is working to stimulate the economy. Um, so their expectations that activity will pick up from the second quarter onward. The uh, hope hopes are also running high for more policy support to be announced on uh, at China's National People's Congress that starts on March fifth. Um, so what are our expectations in the case of, uh, of of oil? Actually, we do believe that the Chinese economic recovery will drive its demand for all commodities higher. But oil is positioned to benefit the most, yes, mostly because it's it's a mobility, it's a mobility commodity. So we maintain our view that the Chinese uh, oil demand remains on track to expand almost 800 kbd this year. So it's uh, 16 million barrels per day. It's a record high year will be for China, considering how weak 2022. Uh, so the growth will be uneven. So, you know, the first quarter demand, we see demand contracting because the first quarter last year was uh, was relatively strong. But at the same time, we see a very, very strong year over year growth in the second quarter. Why? Because Shanghai was locked down for two months uh, during the second quarter of last year. But on exit rates, we see Chinese demand surging 1.1 million barrels per day in December 2023 above last year's uh, last year's levels. So overall, uh, we yes, we we see a very strong demand recovery coming out of that uh, market. Uh, it will probably take several months. Again, uh, it, it takes time. Yes, for the hotels to reopen, for the airlines to add back flights, for Chinese travelers to apply for visas, renew their passports, and so on. Um, but we do believe that the reopening should boost the hard hit tourism market, uh, spent up demand, and you know record household savings uh, unleash this stream of Chinese travelers lifting oil demand. Uh, Shika, are you are you expecting similar uh, similar dynamics in LNG and coal markets? Yeah, so as far as our view for the global LNG market this year, we continue to believe that there will be general tightness in the balance going forward, um, particularly in the second half of the year. Quite importantly will obviously be how Chinese demand will play out, but generally speaking, we are still forecasting at the moment that Chinese LNG imports will likely average 92 BCM uh, this year, which is within their long-term contracted level of imports. So that shouldn't take away from the fact that the LNG market will look tighter than it did last year because we believe that it's going to be through the spot market. And we continue to believe that the increased LNG import demand from Europe acting as a replacement for Russian pipeline flows this year against limited supply growth in global spot LNG uh, in global spot LNG will keep prices basically supported. And while we sit just below $15 per MMBTU today, 
We would expect an increase in LNG spot cargo competition to support prices towards um, upwards to $20 from a B2 by the heart of the summer. So essentially, we're looking for this sort of recovery in the back half of 2023. However, mm -hmm. we do caution, and I have to say this again, if China falls short of our 92 BCM LNG import estimate, it is possible we could see them participate in enhancing the size of the spot market, similar to what they did last year. Ultimately, they could sell cheaper and unused long-term contracted cargoes back into the spot market if the economic advantage exists. Um, and this would generally put a cap on a significant upward trajectory in global LNG prices. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Shika. Uh, so Greg, similar question for you, the strengths of recovery and the timing of the recovery considering the market was already positioned, yes, and in metals and iron ore since, since pretty much December of last year. Yeah, I mean, I think right now, over the last couple of weeks, on the back of the stronger dollar and this sort of underwhelming Chinese recovery, we've we've begun to bleed lower. Um, we still think that there's a bit more to come out of here for for metals. Um, in two Q, we think a, a, is going to be a bit of an air pocket, a soft patch where you you retest the lows that we reached uh, likely back in in the later stages of 2022. Uh, yes, Chinese demand is going to potentially hit one of its early peaks in the second quarter, but we really don't think it's going to be firing on all all cylinders until probably later into 4Q23, when we begin to see a, a, a bit more of a material rebound uh, in property. Um, that's, that's, I think, what we're looking for. And that's when we begin to see much more sustainable rallies in, in base metals, because you are still sitting on low inventory stocks. Um, uh, and we don't expect massive amounts of build in the near term. We just think that there's still a bit of this underwhelming uh, Chinese demand recovery to play out as we go through through the second quarter. And I think as of now, it's always, like you were just saying, it's expectations of a strong NPC. It's expectations of more policy support. Um, I think for metals markets, we've been trading on expectations for a couple months now. And it's either we see the proof of it, we see the ARBs opening, we see sharp inventory draws, or there's going to be a bit more of throwing in the towel and, and sort of reassessing the near-term outlook here. And, and I guess that's the camp that we're in right now in the near term. But thinking that, uh, you know, once we get into the back half of this year, Chinese demand is going to be good. It just is not going to be as great as everybody was maybe expecting back in December. Mm -hmm. Good, but not great. So thank you, Greg. Uh, Tracy, similar question for you. So is it the 2023 recovery? Is it 2024 recovery? Your view has been neutral, yes, on your sector versus 2022 levels, but bullish versus the forward curve. So where, where do you sit today? Yeah, that's right, Natasha. I think for agricultural markets, we have to consider the record or the historically large supply response that's underway globally um, for the majority of certainly grain markets. Oilseed markets have slightly different challenges, a little less um, elasticity around that that supply response, certainly with constraints for palm there. Um, Outlook-wise, look, I do think this China reopening, as I said earlier, is going to be quite stimulatory for, for demand of for vegetable oils particularly, palm oil, soybean oil, certainly in the second half of this year, and, and I have increasingly conf increasing confidence in that demand boost in 2024. Also very discretionary commodities like cotton. We add an additional 
um, million bales of, of use into to China's S&D and 2 million bales of imports into China's S&D for the 23-24 season. A lot of that's going to really depend on rest of world demand as well around the exports there. A little bit more growth potentially for the sugar market as well. Uh, but but net-net, you know, this recovery in China's demand we think is absorbing quite a lot of the, the global supply response that we've been seeing to historically high agricultural prices. And you're right, I mean, the, the forwards um, on a spot basis relative to our view is quite neutral, but I think importantly um, looking at the forward curves and looking at the, the, the future outlook of prices, um, you'll note that we are materially bullish um, on that basis certainly an additional 20% higher for, for longer-term palm futures towards fourth quarter, um, adding a couple of percent there for, for sugar futures as well, um, somewhere above 25% additional growth there for, for cotton futures. Um, watching out, of course, for the grain and oilseed markets where there's an immense amount of geopolitical risk uh, and weather risk still in play, Natasha. Tracy, thank you so much. So thank you to Shika, Greg, Tracy for joining me today. Uh, thank you all to listening to the Commodities Edition at JP Morgan's At Any Rate podcast. We look forward to continuing the conversation next week. The communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan research reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023, JP Morgan Chase & Company, All Rights Reserved. This episode was recorded on February 24th, 2023.